You're listening to World of Empowerment Radio, your station for practical spirituality in a changing world. And here are your hosts, Angel Rose and Ahanu. You are very, very welcome. Angel Rose, we have got so much to talk about today. We do. We have we have, we've this near-death experience stuff that keeps coming up for us. It's, it's incessant. It's in our lives. And when we were in Ireland, you may remember, we uh, interviewed a guy who had four near-death experiences. We did. And several others since then. Mm-hmm. And I've never had a near-death experience myself. I mean, I've been afraid of dying, but I've never been in that that tunnel, as it were, that they talk about, you know. And speaking of the tunnel, another thing that's coming up in our faces a lot lately is a video that we made a few weeks ago. Actually, no, it's probably more three or four months ago but at this stage now. And it's called, Is the Tunnel of Light a Trick? And that video on YouTube is one of the videos that has sparked more conversation mm. than anything else. I mean, it's an after-death type of idea, you know, yeah. that you, you're going to be usurped or you're going to be taken over or something or that it's a trick in order to get you to reincarnate so that's the kind of idea that's behind that video but what surprised me was we don't usually get that many questions or comments about the videos we get we get a good few people who say oh that was great very inspiring very thoughtful well made all that kind of short stuff but that one about is the tunnel of light a trick and in the uh, near-death experience and the that after-death experience just seemed to really go off the charts altogether, didn't it? Yeah, well, because some people, where that came from, just to remind our listeners, is it came from an article written by a group called the Wingmakers, who said that the uh, the Tunnel of Light was was a basically a trick by dark beings to get you to have this wonderful loving experience and then show you your life review and tell you, well, because you didn't do this, 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 you have to go back Resistance and reincarnate. Futile. Yeah. And, <laughs> you, will and be you have to reincarnate again. So they, you know, it was basically uh, under the premise that reincarnation was a way that dark forces keep, keep feeding off you over and over and you never get free of the wheel. So we were just, we went into the Akashic Records to ask source about it. And yeah. so the video was basically that conversation. But yeah. you still had a lot of people who were relieved to hear sources yeah. info and others that, you know, still believe that yeah. it was a trick. So yeah. Yeah. it was a very interesting and kind of a controversial yeah. video. Well, you would have heard the voice there of Jim Passmore. And Jim is with us today as our special guest to talk about his near-death experience. And he has written a book called Flash, A Life of Adventure relived in three and a half seconds and it explores life and love from beyond the bounds of time and space and we've read this book and it is an absolute wonderful book and i'm going to give you a little bit of background to jim before we actually bring you on and talk about some of these adventures jim was a born adventurer he began his explorations from the time he could toddle out of the house to explore the prairies of grand prairie texas at age two And over the ensuing years, Jim graduated to grander and more exciting explorations, including riding in junior rodeos, jumping motorcycles, getting lost in the wilderness, exploring wild caves and ultimately traveling from equatorial jungles to the Arctic Circle in the process of getting to know people and places in all 50 U.S. states, 61 countries and hundreds of cities and towns around the world. 
You wouldn't know that to look at him, would you? No, you certainly wouldn't. And do you know something else? As part of his biography, actually, here, I was stunned to find that he is 74 years of age. The man looks 36, doesn't he? He does. He doesn't look that old. I mean, it must be all these adventures that he has done. He he certainly has travelled worldwide, developed, marketed and sold and trained users on scientific instrumentation. He's been a contributor to... Uh, new market development strategies along with new product applications. He's co-written and written 28 scientific publications on the use of analytical instrumentation and so on. And he's still an avid exerciser and a workout enthusiast. He's a hiker, a mountain climber, tennis and racquetball player and a metaphysical practitioner. He's a father of five children and he's a grandfather of seven and he became a great-grandfather in 2013. My so, God, he's lived a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jim, and aren't you a minister as well? Are yes, you? Yes, are you with, the unity. Uni- with the Unity Church. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You're very the welcome. Bend, Oregon. Yeah. So, this is a, an absolutely wonderful opportunity for us and for our listeners, Jim. And uh, you know, I said you're very welcome, and I mean that very sincerely because it's a subject that not many people really are comfortable with. You know, there's a lot of the religious dogma still overshadows a lot of people. Granted, there there are some people, in, and especially in the community in Bend, Oregon, that are really open to this kind of thing. But in general, worldwide, it's a subject that many people just call woo-woo and, you know, run a mile from. Which subject are you talking about uh, with that long list of stuff? <laughs> no, I mean, I mean his... his uh, his near-death experience, what he relived. He relived his life in three and a half seconds. Yeah. Can you go back to that moment? Tell us what happened. Yeah. You're getting right into it, are you? Oh, God, oh, yeah. you have to, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Why not? Okay. <laughs> well, there are a lot of things that led up to it, but this was a, a motorcycle ride in Illinois that I was on. I had just gotten a fairly new... Uh, 1972 Honda 750. It was the first superbike ever produced, mm-hmm. uh, and it was amazing. And I was loving it. I was on mm. a four-lane highway, uh, mm. Route 53. Sorry, a two-lane highway, Route 53. I was going north on Route 53, and there was a fairly slow car ahead of me. He was doing maybe 50, 55, and the speed limit's 55, so certainly we can't be going only 50, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, and I knew... For a man of adventure. (laughs) I knew how much fun it is when you crack that throttle, and you start, you feel the surge of power, you know, the the thrust, and I thought, I can get past, there's nothing on the road ahead, so I cranked it up, and I'm just about coming alongside of him, and there was a car on the left-hand side that all of a sudden pulled out into the street, and... It was amazing to me that he didn't gun it and try to get across. He just slammed on the brakes and stopped. It was an old guy, probably yeah. 74 years old. You know, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, that old, really old. <laughs> <laughs> About ready to leave the planet. Yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah. But anyway, he Not just froze. Like you, of course. He froze right in his tracks. Yeah. And there he was, dead in front of me. And I, I knew I had only several seconds, four seconds, three seconds, yeah. whatever, to, yeah. to live before I hit him. And I was sure at that point, that I was going to die. Mm-hmm. And that's when I left my body. My consciousness left my body completely. And all I knew was that time didn't exist anymore. I wasn't in space, so to speak, and yet I was having the full emotional and physical feeling of reliving my entire life. All the highlights. And the highlights were, interestingly enough, those that were charged with adventure, emotion, exploration, uh, relationship, loving connections, 
those were all the kind of things that were occurring during that 31 mm -hmm. years mm -hmm. uh, and that was processed in three and a half seconds. Mm -hmm. wow. wow. Well, did you hit the guy or not? Yeah, I got killed. You got killed. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we're interviewing We don't know a ghost. who we're talking to. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, you know, what happened was that my body uh, has some kind of a wisdom that I was unaware of at the time because it did the right thing. It, it pumped some adrenaline instantly. Hmm. Uh, and whatever knowledge or wisdom your body has when you're not conscious of it, hmm. uh, some anatomical hmm. intelligence Response. took over. Mm -hmm. And it guided the bike immediately up against the car it was passing. The right handlebar was actually on the rearview mirror of the car at 70 miles an hour, hmm. and it, we were just absolutely synchronized in the speed. Hmm. And at that moment... We passed the front bumper of the car at 70 miles an hour with about an inch to spare. Oh, gosh. Wow. Yeah. And boy, did I feel that adrenaline because I came back into my body like that. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. And the next thing I knew, I pulled off the road and this adrenaline was pumping through my body. Wow. And so, you know how you get shaky mm, when shaky. that's happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. so I started running back and forth because mm. you feel this surge of power. Yeah, you feel yeah, this, yeah, yeah. like there's nothing can stop me. Mm -hmm. So you run until it drains off. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then I was I was okay. And did the car who you were right beside did that keep going or did it kept going? Keep going. Yes. Uh the guy in the the old guy in the car went across the street and disappeared. The other and guy nobody disappeared. Nobody knew any different. Nobody stopped. I was there in the ditch by myself. Jeez. Uh and thinking Oh my God, what an experience that just was. So uh, now I, I may have been uh, um, misunderstood because, you know, I've been calling this a near-death experience. So in, in this, in a sense, is more like leaving the body as opposed to actually being injured to the point where you're, you're dead. Correct. Okay. Correct. This is okay. not the tunnel. This is not the light. Sorry right. about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. No, no, it's, it's but it fantastic. Was, it yeah. was completely out of time, completely mm -hmm. out of space i was out of my body yes my consciousness was such that time didn't exist time yeah. was just it right. wasn't an entity anymore right right and it's interesting to me because you know scientists don't 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 know what time is anymore no they can't explain it yeah mm -hmm. yeah uh so what is real no but th you're touching on something that's really important and something that we love to talk about and that is those capabilities that you just described that we don't normally perceive or are not normally conscious of and as you say mainstream science just runs a mile away from it and those qualities I mean many people for example who let's say they they witness a ufo or they've, they've some other kind of experience like that It is an experience that they themselves have that's very hard for other people to understand if they don't have that experience. Mm -hmm. So your experience must have been amazing for you. Like to, to have your whole life run past you in three and a half seconds. Yeah, it was amazing, but it wasn't as surprising as you think because I'd had an out-of-body experience once before. And I write about that in the book mm -hmm. uh, where I had left my body and realized Mm -hmm. that I am not my body because mm -hmm. I had a full consciousness outside yeah. the body. Yeah. And it was to me a higher reality yeah. than the reality that we're living on this physical plane. Yes. So when I had that second experience, a little bit like that in that I was not in the body, yeah. my consciousness was outside of it, the difference was that time and space weren't existing at that second experience. Right. But it was just an extension 
yes. of what yeah. I've experienced. Now, well, what I love about this book is the way that you've broken it down into chapters, and each one is a little adventure all the way through your life. And I want to talk more about that in a minute. But I, I know Angie Rose has a question. Yeah, I wanted to ask him if you were out of your body and beyond time and space, then who was steering your motorcycle? That's the question I've asked myself, thank you, so many <laughs> yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, and... Uh, you know, that's. I don't have an answer. I was hoping that somebody, you or your listeners, I wonder, might contribute. Yeah, yeah, but I wonder if it's because we, we're pretty multidimensional. So you can have an aspect of yourself that is beyond time and space. And then mm. you can still have your physical self here mm-hmm. doing something. You know, yeah. and I've had those experiences where, you know, people have mentioned that I've saved them from something. I remember being uh, with one of my... One of my ex-husbands <laughs> came home from work one day and told me that I saved his life. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I fell asleep at the wheel and you woke me up. Okay, yeah. and that's mm-hmm. not the first time that that's happened. So there's some other part of me that I'm not consciously aware of that's right. doing something outside of my linear reality yeah. You know that, that I can't explain. But it makes me think that it, we all have these other parts of us that are doing other things on other levels. Well, I had a, a, another example of that, actually, and I don't know if this other people will relate to this, but I remember I was so focused on a subject one time driving home, and all of a sudden I found myself a half hour through the drive, and I didn't remember any of that last mm. half hour, mm-hmm. and I just looked around and said, holy cow, time, I, I, time I went through stoplights, I passed traffic, yeah. I waited for my turn, I yielded, I mm-hmm. used all the right signals, mm-hmm. and yet I, I remember nothing of it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really yeah. uh, in conscious control. It was subconscious yeah. control. Mm-hmm. So maybe it mm-hmm. was the subconscious yeah. uh, mm-hmm. or the superconscious. Something Well, took many hold. of our listeners would remember we interviewed a wonderful lady called Penny Kelly. And do you remember Penny Kelly describing mm. things very similar to what you're describing? Like she was talking about uh, being, um, what's it called, lucid dreaming, that oh, she yeah. would be in layers after layer after layer after layer of a dream. In other words, she would be conscious of being in a dream, in a dream, in a dream. Wow. And I think she said she, she did it one time five layers deep or something like that. But the thing is, though, she tells a story of one time where she actually got up out of her bed in the dream and went downstairs and was witnessing all her family there in the kitchen. And they were there in real life, in inverted commas, yeah. let's call it. They were there in the kitchen. But her, she realized that her body, the longer she stayed there, was starting to manifest in the physical, in the kitchen. And she realized she better get out of there quick. Otherwise, they'll She'll freak. be caught. They'll freak out. And they'll, yeah. <laughs> She'll be caught spying on them. You know, we hear those stories about yeah. the, in India, a lot of the gurus... Yeah. that are meditating and they're mm-hmm. seen somewhere mm-hmm. else and thousands yes. of people Witness have it. witnessed that's it. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. But there you are, you see. This is one of the things that you have experienced that. You have a real experience to draw on and to, and to help the rest of us understand that. So I'd like to just look at your book here for a moment because the way you've written this and uh, I, I'm... I'm looking at this from the point of view that I'm an author also, Angel Rose is an author, Mm -hmm. and we know the, let's say, there's a story, first of all, but then there's the difficulty of actually taking that story and bringing it down into the physical world by way of chapter one, chapter two, writing it, you know, putting it Mm -hmm. into a structure. 
And that physical nature of the way you have constructed this book, I think, is really marvellous because you have recounted those experiences that flashed in front of your eyes or in your mind's eye when you had that experience by way of little chapters. Mm -hmm. And what I like particularly, too, is the fact that you could read one of these stories very quickly, like in a, you could choose to read one chapter a day over time, or you could read 10 chapters in a day, but each one is a little nugget of experience <laughs> in its own right. So why did you do it that way? Well, the reason I did it that way is because, first of all, you can't describe something that comes all at once in nonlinear time. Right. You, you just mm. can't do that. Yeah. Words can't do that. It's not possible. Yeah. So I had to lay it out linearly. Right. And the decision had to be, even though it was all there at once, you know, the best mm. way to do that is chronologically because that's what we relate to in the, in the arrow of time. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And so yeah. I just decided that's the way I was going to do it. But I have to tell yeah. you, it took 40-some years uh, <laughs> before it all it, before it all came out. Sure. I mean, it was percolating all that time. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It would come up in dreams. I would be meditating, and mm. some of those experiences would mm. come mm. through again. Mm. And all of a sudden, there would be like a voice mm. with a lesson. Yeah. That this is why this yeah. happened because I didn't always I didn't know exactly at the time it happened mm -hmm. why all those experiences were being presented to me. Right. But after all of that um, incubation time, mm. uh, it began to come clear. Little nuggets, mm. as you say, would yeah. pop out, and I would say, "Okay, that relates so perfectly to this." Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I want to say um, to our listeners that. You know, he gets right into it as soon as you start the it book. He does, yeah. And I Page sat one. there when I started reading it. First of all, I was so grateful that he had large font. <laughs> yes, okay. yes, yes, for, yes. For, for people who, you know, I, I really have a difficulty reading books where the font is too small. So I was very appreciative of that. But I sat there and it's like, I think Ahana was making dinner. And I started reading your book and I said, I had only gone through four or five chapters. And I, and I said, I can't believe what this man has done. <laughs> I said, I wonder if he's an Aries or somebody that just got this. Scorpio. You're a Scorpio. I'm a Scorpio. I'm a Scorpio as well. Are you? Yes, but oh. boy, I never had that kind of boundless adventure. Well, I'll take you on the back of the motorcycle. I can't. <laughs> I've been on, you know, I, I'm adventurous to a point. Yeah. You know, but not like that. Yeah. But anyway, I want to go back to this experience because it's important. But you do seem to have arrived at a theme of why you were shown particular things about relationships or your adventures when you had your, your flash, let's mm -hmm. just call it, which is probably why the book is called Flash, yeah, is it? Flash, A Life of Adventure Relived in Three and a Half Seconds. <clears throat> yeah, so tell me kind of what was, you know, evolving as you would have these little moments of recognition. Well, I think that the most important thing is that when I was going through this period of recall, there was mm. like a, a judgment going on. Every single recall, there was kind of a judgment, like... Uh, where did you show love was the words that always came mm. in every single one of those. Where did you show love? Mm. And the judgment was coming from someplace outside uh, of superconsciousness. It was, but it was inside in a way too. It was like a higher being, but not. I didn't relate it to God. It was like my higher self, I guess. Right. That's the way you'd call it. Like when you see yourself so was from it male? above. Pardon? Was it a male voice? It was a male voice. Okay. It was like me in a way, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. a wiser version of me mm -hmm. that I couldn't relate to because I wouldn't have judged all those things in the way that the judgments were coming. 
But let's talk about that just for a second. And yeah. I don't mean to sideline you here, but it, do you think that's where this whole concept of judgment comes from in the, in the collective consciousness? Do you know, when somebody else has an experience like mm -hmm. that, do you think that they go through that same kind of a judgment idea? I think if you take the time to contemplate and, and become introspective, that's what it occurs to me. Because there was a lot of my life where all those things occurred when I, was actually, when I wasn't judging them. Right. It was only when I took the time to become introspective that the judgments began yes. to fall out of that. Well, there's another thing that you said there that I, I'm intrigued with, and you said that you felt that the judge was you. So yes. it wasn't some external God, as it were. Right. Do you think that's a common experience with everybody, too? That, that it maybe is it's inbuilt in us, do you think? I think that, uh, for me, it seemed absolutely the right thing. It was like I read all these Christian Mm -hmm. uh, you know, stories about how you're going to be judged. Mm -hmm. and, and the judgment is kind of scary in those stories. Mm -hmm. This was a loving judgment. It was all about love. It, right. it, was, it, was, it wasn't like, you know, you've done something wrong. It's here's a lesson of love that you can get from this. Right. That's the kind of judgment that yeah. was coming from. So that was the theme that you picked up on, was that these, these lessons, these stories, these recollections that you had in the flesh, they were all more or less... Um, not measuring, I suppose, because that's a judgment in that sense. But they were they were looking to how much you loved in those circumstances. Yes. Is that right? It was about the shared adventure, which is relationship. Yeah. It was about the bonding that occurred mm. during shared adventure. Mm -hmm. It was about uh, each and every of the deep relationships, like mm -hmm. wives, children, mm -hmm. and where those were, uh, and animals. Mm -hmm. uh, I have some stories in there about my pet crow and my mm -hmm. best friend when I grew up on the farm, yes. which was my horse Buckskin. Yeah. And those kind of relationships were all about love. And it was two yeah. ways. It wasn't just me loving yeah. uh, my pet crow. Yeah. My pet crow followed me everywhere and loved me. I know he does. Mm -hmm. My animals love mm -hmm. in the same way. So you were shown what highlights of those particular experiences? I was living through the entire experience. Okay. And did you get to see or feel how your horse feels or your crow feels I did feel that uh, actually there was times and, and I also felt the way some other people mm -hmm. felt uh, there's yeah. a story in there about uh, a rodeo that I wrote in a junior yeah. rodeo mm -hmm. and I uh, entered the other person's thoughts so to speak I became that person I became the crow flying at times and I felt mm -hmm. the same thrill of flying uh, and I became the emotions of my horse buckskin as we would swim across rivers and such like that. He just loved it. Mm. I, could, I could feel that we were kindred souls mm -hmm. and connected mm. at uh, some deep level mm. that had nothing to do with intellect. Mm -hmm. It had mm. only to do mm. with um, some mm. deeper connection that we all have with all of life, with all of nature, mm. with everything. Mm -hmm. Were you shown, sorry, were you shown like areas or relationships or situations that had gone on in your life where you could have made a different choice for love? Yeah, I, I did. Okay, so that's part of what the, the whole thing yeah. was, wasn't it? Some of them were lessons, uh, like uh, I tell the story about the kindergarten criminal, uh, yeah. where I went around knocking down kids' blocks and stomping yeah. on their clay and so on. I thought, how much fun is this? Yeah. And uh, Because the teacher wasn't in the room when mm -hmm. I would do this, of course. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was like I was just mm -hmm. going wild. I was crazy. Mm -hmm. and, and afterward, what lesson came to me is that it wasn't just about me. 
It was all these other children. They were cooperative components. They came there. They got involved in that for a reason. Mm -hmm. I learned something from them. Mm -hmm. They learned something from me. Maybe they won't uh, do something as untoward as that yeah. uh, as a result. Yeah. And I certainly learned from let, let us remind our listeners that we're speaking with Jim Passmore, who's the author of a book called Flesh, A Life of Adventure Relived in Three and a Half Seconds. And my question revolves around a similar, uh, around an, a reaction that we have gotten all through the years that we've been doing these uh, episodes, where we talk about whether it's near-death experience or whatever the experience is, we get a lot of people who would respond to us by saying, gosh, that sounds so much like me, and I felt so alone in the world that I was the only one having this experience, and now when I hear you guys, you know, I, I'm, I, I feel connected, I feel... Validated. Validated, yeah. Now, when you were growing up, you know, you, you start off in your book when you were very young, kindergarten and all of that. And you he worked was trouble your, from the get-go. He was trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but my question is, during well. <laughs> those early times when you, when you didn't perhaps fully uh, grasp the, the bigger spiritual picture, let's say, mm -hmm. did you feel ostracized or alone in your experience? Do you know what I'm asking I you? Do. Uh, I do. I felt very alone uh, a couple of times in my life, actually three times, very alone, once leading to even some depression. Mm. But the first time was when I lost my best friend and my girlfriend at the same time when I was only six. And yeah, I had yeah. some really tough experiences. They moved away. Was they that moved correct? away. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And the second time uh, was uh, after I got into a great big fight with the only friends that I did have. And the third time was when I had that experience of being out of the body and couldn't talk to anyone about it. Yes, that, that was what I was particularly asking. Particularly, about. okay. Yeah, well, yeah. that one was uh, particularly, uh, I would say, poignant for me mm -hmm. uh, because I had no experience. To, I was only 17 or 18 years old. I had sure. no experience to judge it by. Yes. Uh, my family was very, very down to earth yeah. farmers, and yeah. they had no concept of a consciousness beyond the body. It just sure. wouldn't come into their yeah. thinking yeah. at all. So I couldn't talk to anybody about it for yeah. quite a few years until yeah. I found the ARE, the Association for Research and Enlightenment. Oh, that's the Edgar, Edgar Casey. Casey. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody there had had similar experiences, and yes. it was like, "Wow, I'm You're home. home. Yes. I'm home." Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yes, I, I find that very interesting. That uh, a lot of times people don't realize that there are vast communities of people who have had all kinds of different experiences and they don't really need to feel isolated or alone, that there are people they can share these kind of things with. And it's not unusual and it doesn't mean they're crazy. Yeah, yeah. which I had some of those inklings like, yeah. you know, how can I talk to somebody? They'll think I'm crazy Yes. yes. because it doesn't sound rational. Yeah. Yeah. But in fact, you're right. There's well, that's because it doesn't follow 3D laws, does it? It doesn't. Yes, no, yes, yes. Which yes. is comforting, isn't it? Well, now, I want to go to a very quick little studio break, but the moment we come back, uh, if it's okay with you, Engel, was I'd love for uh, Jim Passmore to read a, a, a chapter for us of one of your, perhaps your favourite story out of all the stories that are in here. And uh, they are short. You know, it's not asking you to read tomes of, of uh, stories. They're shorter, one page, half page, two pages. Mm. But pick one okay. when we come back after this break. And I know it will enthrall our listeners. Yeah? <laughs> okay. So we'll be right back after this. Years of research, thousands of profound statements, hundreds of sessions, miles of transcripts, 
months of listening, a vast archive of personal power and spiritual awareness awaits you. Join worldofempowerment.com today, a website of practical spirituality for your fast-changing world. worldofempowerment.com Well, welcome back, everybody. We're here with our guest, Jim Passmore, a very fascinating guy, I have to say. I'm blown away. My fellow Scorpion, I'm surprised that he's got the energy and the wit that he has and the adventures that he's had. So he's going to read to us from his book called Flash. And then I want you after, uh, to don't let us forget to tell people where they can get the book, Jim. Oh, okay. Okay, good, good. So I'm going to read uh, to you. This was, you asked me about being really lonesome one time. Yeah. And even though it's it sounds like... A negative thing to read about being so lonesome. Mm-hmm. It was a huge, huge lesson for me in life. Right. And it changed my life in ways that I couldn't have imagined at the time. So I'll read this one. Uh, it's called Lonesome Loser. I'm living at my maternal grandmother's two-flat apartment at 2704 East 77th Street, Chicago, and still going to Bradwell Elementary School. But everything else has changed. From age 7 to 11, I relive a kind of an emotional dead zone. A void has manifested and closed me down. My friend Chucky and his family have moved away. The beautiful Roberta has moved away. I have changed from feeling love and connection with Roberta and high adventure with Chucky to feeling there is no one with whom I'm connected. I'm adrift in a sea of loneliness. I'm actually feeling it right now. Yes, I can tell. Mm -hmm. It's a long stretch of isolation and leads me to a surprising propensity toward introversion. I try hard to make friends with the only neighbor boys of a similar age. Two boys named Richard, and both of whom live just across the street. They're longtime fast friends with each other. A year younger than me, but both bigger than me by about 20 pounds. I'm very small for my age, which makes me feel somewhat inferior, even though I'm older. It does not help that they always tend to stick together and treat me as a kind of an out-of-balance third wheel. One afternoon at age 11, while I'm playing in a park with the two Richards, we get into an ugly argument. As I anticipate, they gang up on me and begin to tease me unmercifully. I'm so angry with both of them for their exclusiveness and taunting that I react with a shove to both of them. Now they really turn on me. I'm in my first big knockdown, drag-out fight of my life. It gets extremely physical and intense. My anger builds until I'm fighting with a mad fury. They're bigger than me, and there's two of them, but I'm enraged, and I'm fighting so furiously that I'm exacting almost as much damage on them as the two are inflicting on me. I break my thumb hitting one of them, but this does not stop the action. It does not stop until we are all exhausted and lying on the ground, shaking and covered with blood and dirt. I decide I will hate them forever. I build a protective shield around me as a result, and I feel I never want a close friend again. I don't ever want to be as vulnerable as I am now as a result of this brutal betrayal of friendship, my first such experience. What good can come of this? At first, it's just the realization that when I get mad, I lose control and I react from some deep primordial survival reflex, kind of like a whirling dervish or less lofty, a rabid wolverine, (laughs) Uh, one of nature's most ferocious, ferocious and tenacious creatures. But in a flash of intuitive understanding, I realized the meaning of this traumatic event. It was meant to help me learn forgiveness and compassion, 
for those who are suffering an injustice. Control of my hot temper will come later. (laughs) Even though this is a deeply repressed memory, it comes to the surface and I can easily say to the essence of these connected souls, I love and forgive each of you, and in doing so, free myself of another unwanted soul burden. Gosh. Wow. Wow. I said, you've, you've mentioned that a few times in the in your book where you've gotten into fights and how you would just react. And I found myself amazed because to keep going when the odds are against you like that and have something from within you just take over, even though they were bigger than you and two against one and all of that, you know, I, you know, do you think that that is the same energy as the part of you that has this adventurous drive. I think it is in some ways. It's also adrenaline, by the way. Oh, it is. That okay. kicks in. And I just, uh, the amount of energy that comes out is just amazing. I mean, I, I, I like to think of myself as energetic to begin with. Mm. But when that hits, it's just like uh, my speed is just, it, it increases by an order of magnitude almost. Mm. You, you tell another story in there about... Um, you were going to go fishing with your father and one other, was it your uncle? Uh, it was a friend of my father's, a, friend. And you were, a family friend, yes. Okay, so I want you to tell our listeners that story, only because I want to get across the point to people. of, of What I find so amazing about you is that your will and determination and the kinds of, you know, we're talking about adventures, you know, we're talking about some adventures that are really, you know, life and death situations mm-hmm. in your life. And this was one of them. It was. So what didn't turn out to, I mean, didn't plan to be that. But tell us, just as an example, I want people to understand the determination that, that is in you and the uh, how that will to survive kept you going. So would mm-hmm. you tell that story? Yeah, this was uh, my father, Don, and his friend, uh, Bill Booth. And we were up in Canada uh, in uh, Lake of the Woods. Lake of the Woods is in an extremely remote area of wilderness, and it's got a huge peninsula that comes into the lake called the Alu Peninsula. And we had decided uh, to do a 20-mile across-the-water boat trip to get to this peninsula, hike into a remote lake where the fishing was going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so we packed uh, for that, and we left very early in the morning, and we uh, went into uh, an inlet... Uh, that had a little river uh, coming out of it. And we went up the river till it got narrower and narrower and narrower, finally ending, uh, not ending, so to speak, but too shallow Mm. for us to continue with the boat. So we Mm. beached the boat and we did the hike. The hike was about three and a half miles, but you'll never hike three and a half miles through this kind of wilderness uh, and make it uh, in what you think you would take for three and a half miles because you're fighting through brush all the way. There's no trails. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's extremely thick. It's up and down mm-hmm. and rocks and mm-hmm. grass and tufts and trees and, and, and bogs. Bogs. It's I remember, all there. I remember the bogs you were talking about. That's right. Yeah. Well, this is a very lush area full of rain, so it's very thick forest, like a wall. Anyway, we make it to the lake uh, by about a little after lunchtime. Uh, and uh, the two men say, we're going to fix a meal. You go down and catch some fish for us. And I'm down about 20 minutes trying to catch a fish. And all of a sudden they holler, come on back up. And I run back up the hill. And they've got this stick they're rubbing together trying to make a fire. And they've been at it and their hands are all red. And uh, they're saying, you know, we've got a problem. Even if you catch a fish, we can't cook it. And I wasn't catching any fish. And they hadn't brought food because we pick berries, we catch fish. That's the way we always do it. 
Oh, God. And all of a sudden, they realize, we have to go back. That's what it has to be. Mm. So we, This we, is after you already spent how many hours hiking through there to get we'd, there? We'd gone there from, we got there about 8 in the morning, and we hiked till 1 o'clock. So five hours. And no food. And you're already hungry. Already starving. Oh, my gosh. Ravenous. Mm-hmm. So um, about 1.30, we start heading back. And it starts to get dark, and we're still fighting our way through the bush. And by this time, it's not only uh, fatigue setting. And I was bone tired. I was having mm. such a hard time mm. pushing through. But the, the uh, bugs and mosquitoes are just ferocious there. They, just, they, they land on you like a cloud. And at first, it was something I was dealing with. Mm. But after a while, you're just pushing through, and you don't care. I just let, them, let the mosquitoes, wow. let the bugs hit. Uh, and finally, we came to a point where we hit this, uh, the creek, we thought it was. But unfortunately, there was a second creek to the north, uh, and we didn't know which one we hit. If we decide we're on the right creek, we keep going. There and you just, find your boat. And we find our boat. They thought we were on the wrong creek and that we needed to turn south to get to the correct creek. Well, if we're on the right creek and turn south, we're into an impenetrable wilderness that just goes on and on and on. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I really was feeling like these two adults are not saving. I'm 12 years old, and I'm thinking, they're, they're the ones that are guiding this, and they're not finding it. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, uh, I hear myself saying, let's go a little further before we turn, because something about this makes me feel like it's the right way to go. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, really, this is not the right way, but we'll go with you a little ways. So we went a couple more blocks, and I see this log under the water, and it's just a log. But it's under the water. And I said, I remember seeing that on the way in. Oh. And they said, no, they all look alike. There's a hundred of them that we passed. You know, we're going to... I said, no. And I finally got really serious and intent. And I said, we need to keep going. And I'm 12 years old talking mm-hmm. to two adults mm-hmm. that I respect highly. But I'm saying, this mm-hmm. is the right way. Mm-hmm. And they, they heard the intensity in my voice. And they mm-hmm. decided to go ahead. And about two blocks ahead, we found the boat. Wow. And if we'd turned south... You would have been on a we whole other trip. would have been. Uh, and the trip back that night was magical. It was dark. There was the aurora borealis above me, and I was laying back in the boat thinking, oh, my God, all of a sudden I feel confident. I feel like I've just turned into an adult. Mm-hmm. And from then on, I always uh, followed my knowingness, my, yes. uh, what I would call yeah. instinct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How long did it take wow. you to go back? Across the boat. No, uh, across uh, the water. No, through the woods again. Oh, it was going about, back. It was probably about six hours because we were a lot more tired and we were kind of weaving, trying to find the right way. Uh, and you're just going by dead reckoning. We've got a compass, but you know you can't always go straight because yeah. there's hills and there's blockages and there's cliffs, and you got to work your way around them. And so. what about other dangers like bears and? Wolves. Well, you know, bears will t- black bears will tend to get out of your way pretty much. Uh, there's no grizzlies in that area. Okay. Uh, there are wolves. They tend not to bother you, too. Right. Uh, there's moose and so on. Unless it's rutting season, they don't bother you. So, no, so by the time you got home, I mean, who made you something to eat? <laughs> you know, being the maternal part yeah, of me is coming mother, out saying, "Who is there was to feed there, you guys?" Of course, and when she realized how hungry we were, we were she because you weren't laid supposed to be back that night. Were no, you? we weren't. We weren't. We woke everybody up when we got back. <laughs> so, I mean, I just wanted you to tell that story because I want our listeners to know that your book is full of adventures like this, and mm. I just, you know, I just enjoy every minute of the book. I, I'm just saying, wow, what's the next chapter going to be about? Because <laughs> yeah. they're all so interesting. But, you know, some of them are very scary, I have to say. Yeah, that was uh, scary, I thought. That was scary. 
tell us quickly about the one in the well when you were a child. This was perhaps your, was it your first experience? That was my first near miss, I would call it. And yeah. it's because it could have been either one of us. Right. But it was, yeah. I was two and a half years old and I was playing near the house in a field mm. uh, mm. near Dallas, Texas. And apparently there was an abandoned well that they'd put a wood cover over. Yeah. Well, wood doesn't last all that long, yeah. but it grows moss and then grass mm. and so on. Mm-hmm. And that's what it was. And we were just running around in the grass. Mm-hmm. And we both ran across, but I ran across the edge, he ran across the middle, and it broke through. And at two and a half, he just fell into that well. And I, as I say in the book, I can't remember hearing the thud of his little body when it hit, but I just know I just felt this horrible feeling. And I ran back and got my mother and father. God. And my father got a rope and climbed down, but... The little boy was dead, uh, and uh, it was uh, it was my first experience of why him, not me. Yes, for example. Yes, yes, you know, yes. And did you I feel see? guilt attached to that? Because that tends to be a natural. Result. You know, I did, especially when I relived it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, a wisdom was there mm. that helped me. It was like a knot, and then it was it, there was some like knowledge that came to me that said, you know, this is not your fault. You were too young yeah. to be yeah. at fault, even. Yeah. And it is what it is. Let it go. Yes. And it did. It released. And it was like a really tight spot released. Yeah. So I, I want to go back now because of all these adventures and, um, and your wildness, that when you had your out-of-body experience and you said that the theme seemed to be about love and relationships. Mm-hmm. So... Let's put that in context with people who worry about, you know, or, or the, where we may think that the goal of life is to succeed or, mm-hmm. or to, you know, reach a certain monetary status or whatever. Can you put that in perspective for the listeners in terms of why you think none of that showed up in the review? Yeah, and, and that was very interesting to me when I evaluated it. There was nothing about how long I spent at the office or how much I made or what successes, it was all about relationship. And what that says to me is that's why we're here. Mm. It's relationship with each mm. other, with the earth, with the with the mm. life, with, with everything. I mean, even trees to me is relationship. I love trees. Mm. And I can sit by a 500-year-old ponderosa pine and gain wisdom from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and love as well. It's all love. That's mm. the basic emotion. There's two, love mm. and fear. Mm. And fear is the illusion of you know, worrying about things that may never happen and so on. And it just gave me that concept that guided me from there that love is what it's all about. And it changed my life completely right. uh, from that point uh, and led me to a lot of the pursuits uh, of spirit and ministry that uh, I ended up doing. Did no. you feel you were going to have to come back and do it again? Uh, like, you mean re-experience the 31? Reincarnation. Did you feel like the things, the areas where you could have chosen a higher form of love, let's just say, was it, did you get that message or was it just to show you the message so that you could understand? It was to show me so I could understand. I had no no feeling like I had to come do it over again. It was like I mm. drew out what I needed from that. And it was that was the wondrous part about mm. that. And I think that's really important to tell people because because of the, the, the subject of karma, mm-hmm. because a lot of people do believe that, you know, if you're unloving in a life or there's a situation where you you weren't acting really loving, that you will have to come back and they even believe that you're going to experience what you may have done to another person. And I've never, that's never been my experience with Source. Source mm-hmm. 
always seems to tell us that, you know, kind of everything is already forgiven. It's just, like you say, it's more about if you learn from the experience, then move on. Then it's done. Mm -hmm. Then it's Mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to say because Mm -hmm. a lot of people actually wish retribution on another person. You know, if you were not treated well, you you know, you hear them say, oh, they'll get theirs. You know, like... that hurts them so much more than the other it person. It does. It's a bitterness. It's a not. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? Let's let's go into a third segment with this. We don't usually do okay. this, but uh, there's so much to learn from you here, Jim, and there's so much to talk about that we will take another little break and we'll, we'll come right back after this. This episode is sponsored by Twin Flame Hosting. Twin Flame Hosting has been designing and hosting websites since 1993 and is now a leading provider of internet-based web services to large and small businesses all over the world. We also care for many individuals who depend on our quality, reliability and affordable hosting solutions because we know what professional business people need in a hosting solution. Visit TwinFlameHosting.com We're back again for round three with Jim Passmore and his wonderful life experiences in his book, Flash. Jim, briefly tell our listeners where they can get a copy of your book. Ah, Well, they can uh, just write directly to me, uh, Jim Passmore, uh, at 2155 Northwest Stover Circle in Bend, or they can go to my email address, jim at analyticalst.com. All right, well, you'll post that, won't you, I will post that underneath. Or or repeat it again Mm -hmm. on the... Mm -hmm. Or they can go to Amazon That's and type in Jim Passmore Flash. People will remember that. And it's, it's, Passmore, <laughs> it's Passmore with one S. One it's S. P-A-S-M-O-R-E, Jim right. Passmore. Now, I have a question, Engel, Rose, and uh, it, it's, it's me admitting a fear. And you mentioned before with the break there that there is only love and fear. And you mentioned the story of your friend drowning in the well. Now, when... He was killed when he hit the bottom. Oh, yeah, I think he... there was no water. Oh, there was no water. Oh, I see. No, it okay. was aban- an abandoned water. But it, was, it was a, must have been a horrific experience for you. Now, when I was of similar age, uh, we went to uh, a movie, some movie that was on, and uh, my brothers and sisters dragged me. I was very young, very impressionable. And they, the movie was about some guy being buried alive. And to this day... I see that person in the coffin scratching on the, the wood of the coffin lid trying to get out and, the, and the, the, the sound of the soil thudding on the servant buried alive. And uh, I had this horrific fear all my life mm-hmm. that that was going to happen to me and that there was no way out. But that was, the, that was the, the extent of the, uh, the, the level of the fear was, was horrific thought. Now, in reading your book, you tell a story of you in your adult life when you are into caving mm-hmm. and you're crawling into this cave, this dark cave, and you get stuck in there. Yeah. And when I read that, all my fears came back saying, oh my God, that's just like being buried alive. What are you going to do? You can't go forward. You can't come back. You can't go up, down. You can do nothing. And you're just going to expire in there. Now, help me come to terms with my fear by explaining to me what, what you did. Well, what I did and what could have happened are two different things. Give a little bit of background about what happened, actually, how so, you got where you got. So the way I got there is we had been told that uh, these two caves had a connection between them. This is in southern Indiana. And we were trying to find it. Okay. And there was a group of us. Uh, but I was one of the leaders of the group. So when we 
came to a point where we were a little too tired to continue, or the group was in general. I said, well, I'll push ahead and see, because, you know, it, it's looking promising ahead. And I pushed ahead. Uh, they, it was about 15 minutes ahead when I came to the cave closing down quite a bit. I thought, well, this could be the connection. Hmm. And then I realized I was on my stomach, and pretty soon it was getting tighter and tighter, and I couldn't push through. But if I could get my arms above me and use my feet to push in, I could get right into that real small area, and I could see something beyond that. I said, this is the connection. So I pushed really hard. And when I popped my shoulder through and got to my chest, I got stuck. I couldn't even expand my chest. Uh, so I had to take real short breaths, you know. Yeah. Uh, and the, the first reaction was, you have to stay calm, because if you panic here, that's the end. But how easy it would have been to panic in that way? Yes, it would have been easy. But one of the stories earlier, I had learned from a panic experience that almost killed me. And I had sworn I would never panic again. Right. Even if I was going to die, I'm not going to panic because death isn't the end. We know that anyway. Yeah. And that was part of what I learned in my out-of-body experience, too. Right. Was this it, after that? The, the body, out-of-body experience was before that. Okay. And I knew that there would come a point where if I wasn't going to make it, that I could leave my body. And the person that scratched okay. in there could have stopped scratching and left his body. Yes. And I believe even people like Jesus, who on the cross left his body and said, I'm right. done with this. So you don't have to go through the suffering you and the, don't have the trauma to. and the panic. We had one of our little yeah, dogs yeah, caught yeah. by coyotes, and we got him back out of the jaws of the coyote, and he had puncture wounds and was in shock. Yeah. And he was in shock for the longest time, yeah. for hours. He wasn't feeling anything. Yeah. And so let's say they had completed their meal. Yeah. He wouldn't have known it. Right. Yeah, the uh, body does do something, doesn't it? Too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and your I, awareness I, yeah. was what kept you clear-headed then, really? Yeah, there was yeah. two things. There was one is, I knew mm. I can't panic and survive. Mm. Mm. And two mm. is, if I don't survive, I know from my near miss on the motorcycle that that's not the end. Because I had this wonderful feeling mm. of release when I was about to die. It wasn't like I was mm. afraid. It was like, wow, this is going to be a, a wonderful adventure. Right, mm. yeah. And uh, that was... It was coming through very clearly yeah. that this is not something to be afraid of. So when you when you realized you were stuck in the cave then, like, did you have that same kind of a reliving the adventures or was it... I was reliving it. In, in the near miss, I was absolutely reliving it again. Yeah. And I was going through... And I was, I was in that situation. I went through the emotional content of it and I drew the lessons out of it. All of it. Okay, so no, but our listeners the, are going to want to know how we got out of it. Yeah, too. so you're, here you are stuck in a cave. Your arms are ahead of you. Yeah. You're, you can't get your shoulders back. Correct. And there was nothing to push against to get you, you back know, or You forward. have to pull against with your feet. You know, it's not like pushing with your feet. Yeah. Uh, you've got to latch your toes onto something, mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. nook or cranny, and mm-hmm. pull. And it's a lot harder to do that than it is to push. Yes. Try that sometime. Yes. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> and yes. then the other thing is it expanded out in front of me so there was nothing to push on there. I could only push on the ground. Yeah. And when you push on the ground, your muscles expanded. Mm. So all of, it was all these problem areas. Yeah. But what happened was I stayed in there long enough to where I was beginning to perspire. And I realized that that perspiration alone would make me a little more fluid and possibly help me to extricate myself. Little lubrication, do you mean? Exactly, exactly. Oh, and uh, oh, I God. took advantage of that. I found those holes, and I gave every ounce of strength I had, pushing and pulling with my feet, and bang, I popped out of there just before the whole little room there, which was the end of the cave, by the way, was filling with carbon dioxide. So I was so 
relief to be out of there wow. uh, because I was coming to the point where I had to make the decision. Yeah. You know, do I want to leave my body or, you know, hang around? Wow. And so that brings me a question, Jim. How much choice do you think we do have when I, we actually do leave? Yeah. Uh, you know what? I think uh, I, I write in the book about 22 near misses. And I think that there's a reason I'm still here, that I chose this trajectory. I chose this path. And I think that if I decide I'm not going to be here any longer, I'll choose a way to, to leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I so, think that's what a lot of illnesses are that people manifest. Mm-hmm. It's their way out. Well, doesn't the Course in Miracles say that we are effectively, uh, the ego is a murderer, isn't it? That we kill ourselves to, oh, yeah. to, to extricate ourselves from the reality. Right, because we don't know any other way. Yeah, we don't know. At the moment, way. even though yeah. there are other ways for sure. Yeah. Okay, I want to ask you, you know, do you think we choose our soul path before we're born? I sure do. You know, the reason I say that is that when I was just learning to talk, my grandmother wrote a little kitty caper, she called it, memos of all the kids. And she said, the first thing I would say to her is, I want to be an explorer. And she said, what? A explorer, explorer. <laughs> and she said, you mean explorer? I want to be an explorer. Yeah. And I knew it from yeah. that point in time. Yeah. When I was two years old, I knew I wanted. So yeah, of course. I, I think I chose my family. I think mm. I chose my living circumstances. And you've I, certainly been an explorer. And I've certainly sure. been an explorer, and it's been marvelous. It just is, my life feels so good that yeah. I've been able to follow that trajectory and realize yeah. that it's what I really wanted to do with my life. Yeah. Now, isn't it funny the way you look at that, right? Because another person, and I, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to be judgmental. I, I'm just looking at this in general. Another person may look on these 22 near misses and say, I'm a victim. There's somebody out to get me here, you know? <laughs> you know seriously. An accident waiting yeah. to happen. Yeah, I'm no, a- I think just the opposite. I have an angel on my shoulder. Yeah. You have because you've gotten out of every single situation. Exactly. Yeah. 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 No, I think yeah. uh, I, it's been a blessing. I've learned so much from each and every one of those. And my life would not be as full as it is if I hadn't mm-hmm. gone through each mm-hmm. of those. The negative experiences, the, they all turned out for good, yeah. ultimately. Mm. Now, your, your wife and your children and your grandchildren and now your great-grandchildren, do, do they, are they worried that you might have some more of these adventures ahead of you still? You're 74 years of age. Are, are, you know, that you might have another few near messes? <laughs> well, if Joanne was here, my wife, uh, she would chime in very, very strongly <laughs> because we've been on many adventures together and she said, your adventures are crazy. She said, we only need one crazy person in this family. And so she kind of tries to tone me down. And yeah. I think that's part of the reason why we got together. In mm-hmm. a way. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. she does. She brings mm-hmm. me back. I get her off the couch and get her doing things. Right. She settles me down and says, don't try that. You know, you're getting to be a little older or something like <laughs> don't that. Don't try that you know? at home. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and so she does. She keeps me yeah. in bounds. Yeah. So there should be a disclaimer on his book that says, don't, you know. Don't try these. I know, I know. But, you know, isn't it an inspiration, though, that here you are still willing to explore, you know, uh, when a lot of people might consider heading to the couch and sitting in front of the TV and calling it a day, and you still have that adventurous spirit in you. Yeah, she's going to go with me to Alaska. We're going to ride the Dalton Highway up. Get, what are, <laughs> yeah, this summer, June. People will think he's talking about his wife. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, she so, wants motorcycle adventure, I can tell. So I, I've been on a motorcycle. In <laughs> fact, I think when I was uh, 19, I, I went with a friend to uh, Florida, and she was hooking up with this guy who lived in Ocala, and he had a dirt bike. 
And uh, his helm was, you know, he had a dirt bike course around, and he let me get on that thing. And I, I felt the power of that. Oh, yeah. Back then, and went, wow, this is fun. And they've changed a lot since then. Oh, my gosh, the amount of power they built into these is crazy. But I have a problem because I'm terribly afraid of heights. I'm sure that I probably went off a cliff in a lifetime because Mm -hmm. anything that has a sheer drop-off, no guardrails, I mean, I am really, I go such anxiety. And there's there's mountain passes in Ireland, and for some reason the Irish do not believe in putting guardrails. Down the Ring of Kerry, for example. Okay, they're just these straight things and yeah. curves and rain and and you know i in fact even when i went to peru i did go to machu picchu years ago yeah. and those buses i mean you got this little row they wind up that thing all and the way they, to the top yeah. oh my goodness yeah. but anyway exquisite beauty but unfortunately i can never really fully enjoy it because i'm always like i know i've gone off before you know so mm. i'm i'm i have mm. an issue with that but mm. anyway so i want to ask you too about why do we choose to come here, do you think, Jim? You know, I mean, of all the, especially when you have an experience of what it's like to be out of your body mm-hmm. in that wonderful, peaceful release, let's just say. Why do you think we come here? I think it's God's great adventure for me. Do you? It's different for everybody. I think mm-hmm. everybody has their mm-hmm. own path, their own purpose. But I think mm-hmm. ultimately mm-hmm. you come here to experience joy and love. Mm-hmm. And you come here to experience freedom and to experience growth. Uh, those are the, the big but you feel? Wouldn't you have those experiences in spirit, though, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you already know about love, do you think? And you know, there's spirit? something about the physical realm that I just love, uh, that it just it, it's, invi- it's just a material thing. And I can imagine loving it once I'm in pure positive energy, too. And i got to ask you this question, only because I know you're familiar with The Course in Miracles. Mm-hmm. Because the Course in Miracles will say that we use our body as a means of separation from God. And it's just a belief. So how do you... Because I do know many people who are in the Course who actually get stuck there. Mm -hmm. See, they get stuck and they feel guilty for the fact that somehow the body isn't isn't, uh, a good thing. And it's something that um, we use to punish ourselves and to be away from God. And yet the Course doesn't... will state that fact but not judge it. Yeah. And it will turn it around to say, you know, you can use anything for the happy dream. Okay. So you have a question that you've given us today about your ability to dream and to make our dreams come true. So in just a few minutes that we have left, I'm giving you a lot, but I kind of want to know what is your, what is your perception of the physical body now mm-hmm. of being here uh, in our relationship with source and also where does manifesting come in? Because I know people, all the people in the Course too, who believe that if you try to manifest things that you want in this dimension, somehow that's furthering the separation. So mm. where, what's your take on it all? Well, uh, first of all, manifesting, desire. The Latin root of that is desire, of the sire, of the Father. And I think that, the, that any desires we have are put there by Source. Okay? And so there's nothing wrong with desires. Uh, that doesn't bother me at all to have desires. And once you have the desire, manifesting is a matter of allowing yourself to become the person that is ready for that manifestation. Not because uh, you deserve or don't deserve. It's because you have decided that you are that person. And I think of it this way. Uh, when you talk about separation, I think we may have in our mind that we're separate, but that's us. 
we're never separate from source. Mm-hmm. Source is always, always with us. Mm-hmm. Spirit is the life, mind is the builder, body is the result. And so spirit is what it's all about. We talk about, uh, you know, we're a drop in the ocean and the ocean is spirit. I say, no, we're the ocean, the ocean in the drop. Mm-hmm. It's the source mm-hmm. in us. Mm-hmm. So that's the way I see it. And um, mm-hmm. I really love being in this physical form. I think it's a wonderful adventure for me and for Source. Mm-hmm. Well, and you certainly have had evidence in your life uh, that there is something greater than ourselves, whether it's higher parts of us or God's Source itself or mm-hmm. our guardian angel or whatever. You know, you do see spirit working through this realm. Absolutely. You know, all the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I certainly have evidence of it in my own life. And I know Ahanu does too. And so I think it's a great way to end. It is, yeah. yeah. Now, uh, by way of drawing to a conclusion yeah. here, Jim, I want you to sign this copy of the book for us. But before I give it to you for your signature, I, I really do want to uh, tell people what a fabulous book and how how easy it is to read, but at the same time how captivating and how wonderful it is and how it gives a real insight into a man that has had this wonderful life of adventure and how you can relive actually it's almost like somebody when you read this is like reliving that adventure with you the way you describe it and the way you write so join jim on a fascinating and exciting journey that began with a three and a half second near-death flash during which time he re-experienced his entire life revealing insights and lessons that took him the next 40 years to fully understand, including 22 other near misses. And that number itself is of interest to us and our listeners would know of how those 1111s and 22s keep coming up. (laughs) From near-death events to beyond the physical body experiences, from motorcycle mechanics to momentous miracles, the author takes us on a journey of exploration, discovery, excitement and adventure, leading to the tantalising grand prize of existence, the discovery of self as spirit. Jim, it's yeah. been an absolute pleasure. Thank Tell you. them one it more time indeed. how he can, they can get a hold of his yes, book. Yes, you will get hold of it at Amazon.com yeah. and we will put a link to the book right below this episode. Jim, thank you so much. Thank for you being very with us. much. We've enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Super. Thank you. You have been listening to Angel Rose and Ahanu on World of Empowerment Radio, your station for practical spirituality in a changing world.